0: Good morning. Ministry's starting up again. We're so glad to see everyone. Glad you're all here. We've got quite a number of things to pray about. Let's pray. Um, our brother, uh, I was I was just up north for a funeral, and the air quality was just nasty. I mean... You couldn't even, if you took a deep breath, even in Vallejo, you'd start coughing because of the uh, fires that are up there in Sac and everything, uh, past Sac, El Dorado Hills. Um, So we're going to pray for that. My dear friend, um, Rod Santiago, who is a pastor in Roseville, uh, he just came down with COVID and he has some health issues. We want to pray for him. He is uh, in the hospital and we just pray that he would recover quickly. He has, he's had a lot of health issues in the past. Um, So let's pray that God would heal him and he'd be recovered and be able to preach again. Um, He's been here several times. He's preached here several times. Many of you have met him. And I want to pray for uh, what's happening in Afghanistan. Uh, The incredible, incredible turn of events of what's happening there Um, We lost 12 Marines and one corpsman. And we need to pray that God would bring back our Marines. Um, We believe Ellie's out there. I think she is. Um, And uh, we need to pray for Ellie uh, Rutan. And so I also want to um, pray for um, uh, the Americans and the friendly Afghans who were there, we want to pray for them that they 'd be um, extricated out as well, so we need to pray. we have a lot to pray about, Father in heaven, we come before you with with our hearts in need. We pray, Father, that you would do a mighty work we help we pray that you would help us to hear your word, to learn to grow. To help us to learn how to worship you in spirit and truth. Christ, you have called us to engage all of our inside and to be engaged in all of the truth of God. That we not be unbalanced either direction. Father, we pray. I want to pray for our our, our state, Lord. It's a mess. Um, And not just this fire, God, but what's happening. We do pray for the fire. We pray that it it would be extinguished. Lord, that there wouldn't be any lives taken. Uh, Much property has been burned. We pray, Father, you would protect the first responders. And Lord, even in the midst of this disaster, we pray that Christ would be revealed. That in the ashes, folks would turn their eyes to the living Christ. We also pray, Father, for uh, our dear brother Rod. He is a proclaimer. He is a herald of the gospel. We pray, Father, that you, you would heal him quickly, that you would bring him back to Grace Bible Church in Roseville. Lord, I hear the air quality is even worse up there. And so we pray that you would do that work. Please heal him. Comfort Maria and the kids. Strengthen the church, Lord. And bless Louis even as he is preaching today. Lord, we want to pray. We want to pray for this country of Afghanistan. Oh, how they need Christ. Lord, we see just the, 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 the war and the devastation. And when people say religion doesn't matter, it absolutely does. Ideas rule the day, God. And Lord, uh, your gospel has to go forth and rescue people. Lord, our hearts are even weeping for the Marines. We lost two who were from Camp Pendleton. Father, it it just runs too close to us. And we pray, Father, that you would um, use this even in the Marines' life, that they would cry out to you. Lord, how how dangerous the situation is there. We pray, Father, that there would be no more life lost. We pray you would bring back our friendlies. You would bring back, Lord, uh, any of the Americans and NGOs there. We pray, Father, you would bring back the Marines and the corpsmen who are out there. Father, we pray for Ellie. We pray you would protect her. We know that she's probably still on a ship. And Father, we pray that you would just protect her as she is out there. Lord, would you use her greatly as she proclaims and shares the name of Christ? Father, we pray uh, just even as uh, the the Marines, they look at each other and they don't know if they're going to see their friends again. Lord, we we pray that they would bow the knee and they would be assured of who they know. That even if life is taken from them, they know that they will see the Savior and there will be a happy reunion in heaven. Oh God, would you do this. Do this work. Help us to hear your word, we pray in Jesus name. Amen. Would you turn with me to Colossians chapter three, verse sixteen? We are only going to go through one verse. We're still continuing in our study of worship. Colossians three sixteen says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Singing is a big deal to God. It's not a little thing. It's not something that should be ignored. God has much scripture about it. Even uh, Brother Jason shared Psalm 57. Now, when we were talking about worship, all of worship, the whole, the whole basis of worship, the whole root of worship, what we have seen, we saw the design of worship, just as a quick review, that we were actually designed, we were created to worship as the image bearers of God in Genesis 1 and 2. This answers the question, why am I here? Why do I exist? God says that there is a greater purpose for you. And that is to bring him glory. Then we saw that the the worthiness of worship. Why God is worthy to be worshipped. We saw that in Isaiah chapter 6. That he is completely holy. Three times holy. Holy. We saw the distortion of worship in Romans chapter 1. What mankind does because of sin, apart from the salvation of Christ and allowing him to see man replaces worship with anything, with his devices, with his sin, with even things that aren't necessarily morally evil, he replaces God. It could even be cars and a motorcycle. It could even be sports. We replace God. We don't give Him the due glory, and then we saw the elements of worship. Um, they are re- what are the components of biblical worship? It answers that question: remembering God, submitting to God, serving God, and it acts as a loop. And we saw in John chapter four, Jesus said unequivocally, he said that we are to worship in spirit and truth. That is, we are to worship with all that we are, for all that he is, as revealed in scripture. And now we finally get to music. If you notice, we've talked about worship for so long. This has been all summer, we've talked about worship, and now we get to music. See, music is actually a little part of worship in the believer's life. But it is very important. Okay, Our whole lives should be enveloped in worshiping Him. I remember there was a time when a, a person came into RBC. We, we talked about this and we talked about how Christ and His riches are more than enough. And he came and he says, and he tried to convince me, you need to hire my daughter. You need to hire my daughter because she knows what worship is. And I said, huh. Well, where does she, does she fellowship at a church? No, she doesn't go to church. She doesn't go to any church. Uh, is she gro- uh, growing Christian? No, but she has the anointing. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm not interested. Because... He had no conception of what true corporate worship was through singing. He did not know it was a response to truth as outlined in scripture. His conception, sadly, is what plagues the church. People believe that this is what worship is. That they're songs that rouse an emotion or emotionalism. That they're dimmed lights that give anonymity, that it's singing that emphasizes how you feel rather than what the truth you are singing. That's not what Christ calls us to do as Christians. We are not supposed to check our our intellect and our minds at the door. We are to be fully engaged, thinking about the truth being revealed from Scripture. False conceptions of worship come from false conceptions of God. Man-centered songs and singing that do not honor Christ are pushed forward to attract crowds. Why? Because it speaks to people's felt needs. But Christ, he gives us light on how to sing. So for this sermon, my point is this, that God gave you this passage so you would worship him rightly through singing. He gave you this passage so you would worship him rightly through singing. Now, there are notes that are given to you, but there's also a song comparison. I want you to have both. If you don't, raise your hand. Brother Manny's going to pass it to you. Uh, Do you guys have both? There there should be two packets. Brother Mike Bogalso needs over there. Okay. So there are three resolutions for the Christian. Stemming from this verse, Paul is instructing the church how to sing. You don't come, like what we were talked about last week, you don't have the authority to change the way that Christ should be worshipped. You don't have the authority to change the way he should be sung to. The Bible says this is how God desires to be glorified. And it is a reflection of how accurately we hold the scriptures in his explanation of his attributes and in his excellencies. He doesn't want you singing about some caricature of God that is not accurate about Him. You understand? So there are three resolutions to worshiping Christ rightly through song. Number one. Let the word of Christ. Number one. Marinate in the word. Marinate in the word. He says... Let the word of Christ, the words very clearly is scripture. It is all that we have. It is the Old and New Testament, the 66 books. Before we even talk about singing and expressing in song, Paul says to let this word of Christ marinate in you. Let it richly dwell in you. All songs should be, all songs without exception for the Christian church in corporate worship should be scripture driven. Have its basis in scripture, not feeling driven or experience driven. It says to let the word of Christ, notice it is Christ's word. Thematically, it is Christ's word, focusing on Christ. As the type or the reason or the resource for all of the believer's life. We're not to sing about simply good morals. Or getting around the campfire because it's nice and it's a warm feeling. This is about to be thematically about the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, let it richly dwell within you. Richly means to be abundantly. Dwell means to live. And all of this stems. How do you choose this music? How do you sing this music? How do you let yourself um, to worship in spirit and truth as you sing, you marinate in the word. Now, my wife knows I love I love Korean short ribs, you know. I don't know if you've ever had it. It's just fantastic. Okay? Fantastic. Because you let the meat, okay, you put it in, and you put the sauce, and I like to just let it sit. Why? Because the longer you let it sit, the marinade, right, come on, men, come on, men, right, are you there? There's no amen, oh my goodness, right? (laughs) It marinates, it gets into the meat, right, and then you throw it on the grill, and it it just cooks real fast, too, I love it, right? Right? No, and I distracted you. I shouldn't have described it so nicely, right. But as you do that, now listen, as you do that, what happens is the flavor of the meat has all of the word of cru- word, has all of the sauce in there. And just like that, right? I just messed up the metaphor. Just like that, right, the Christian, as you sing the truth, and you, when you see it in the screen, we don't have a screen, it got stolen by the way. July 4th, it got stolen. But when you see the words on, on, on a piece of paper or on your phone, okay? When your heart resonates with that truth because you know the truth of God, what happens is your mouth begins to open. Because of that truth has struck you so deeply and you understand that this is exactly the goodness, the kindness, the greatness, the love of Christ, I have to respond in like manner. See, true worship in song has its basis and its root and its themes firmly from Scripture. Letting the word of Christ dwell is actually in parallel to what being filled with the Spirit is. People think being filled with the Spirit is something utterly different. It means that you're, some folks think it means that you're speaking in tongues or you're barfing in the Spirit or you're being slain in the Spirit or you're falling down in the Spirit. That's not what it means at all. Look at what the parallel verse. Keep your thumb here. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. He says in Ephesians 5.18. Notice. Do not get drunk with wine. For that is dissipation. But be filled with the spirit. Now here he is. Here's a parallel verse. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody with your heart. Always giving thanks for all the things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Even the Father. So here he says, being filled with the Spirit in Colossians, he says, let the Word of Christ richly dwell with you in you. How do I get more of the Spirit, brothers and sisters? How am I filled with the Spirit? How do I know this? The Bible says that if you have more of the Word, you have more of the Spirit. You want to experience more of worship to Christ, fill it with the Word of Christ. You want to have an experience that honors Christ with the felt presence of God himself. Come ready and white hot to morning service. How do you do that? I'm praying. I'm in the word. I'm not seeking mystical experiences. I'm simply using the means that God gives me. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. See, what happens is when you know the word and you meditate on it and you allow it to fill your head, right? You sing wholeheartedly to Christ. When you know the word, you praise the excellencies of Christ. When you know the word, you discern what are true worship songs. When you marinate in the word, you are reminded, you are submitted, and you're ready to serve your brothers and sisters. Which brings us to the next point. Marinate in the word. Secondly, edify the body. Edify the body. Our songs should not be there simply so that you could have a good cry and leave. Our songs should be for edification, and I get it straight from the text. Verse 16b, notice he says here, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, here it is, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. And notice he says, he connects it here, with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Your standard of discernment, your standard of judgment is not, as we go on, I'm going to offend some people, by the way. I'm going to offend some people right? Because some people will say, I like that song! Why are you picking on that song? I like it! Right? Our standard of discernment or judgment about what we sing or what we don't sing, your standard is not because I like it, brothers and sisters. That's at the end. Maybe it sounds good. That's it. Your standard should be is it biblical? Is it Does it honor Christ? See, when a Uh, If you come over to my house and I have you over, I'll probably play some bossa nova in the backyard. And you'll hear, you know, some of the beats and some of the jazz, uh, you know, some of that Brazilian jazz bossa nova beats. You'll probably hear that because I pick whatever I like, right? That's not dishonoring to Christ. But when we worship Christ, when it comes to worshiping Christ, we pick what honors him. We pick what's biblical. We pick what is accurate about God. And we fill our minds with that. Notice it says, with all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another. The wisdom there is tactfully and skillfully teaching and admonishing through song. So you notice, the point of singing is not so we get the feels. Ooh, I got the chills. We don't sing to get the chills. We sing, what does the text say? To teach and admonish. So the point is for the edification of the church. Teaching means to instruct on scripture, on Christ. So our singing, by virtue of this verse, our singing must be instructive. It's got to teach something about Christ. It's got to teach something about scripture that points to Christ. It's got to be centered on what it means to be a Christian. It can't simply just mean just being, having the feels. Admonishing, notice is what it says. This is what the text says. That our singing should have teaching, instruction, right? And admonishing, which is warning and exhorting and to To people to turn away from sin. In other words, that our singing should not just be instructive or just good feels, but it should also point point to the folly of sin. The folly of unbelief. That's what admonishing is. It also says, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing, it says one another... These are believers singing to believers. So the context is for the Colossians church. Now, if you're not a believer here, we welcome you. We're glad you're here. But as believers, the service is really so that we can hear each other sing. So that's a different dynamic. Okay? We are to sing to one another. I'm to hear you sing. You're to hear me sing. Why? Because what that does is it teaches and admonishes us. And it fills us. Just like preaching teaches and admonishes. Our singing should do the same. Christian music was never designed for evangelism. It's designed for teaching. Do you notice that? That's the methodology of, of groups like Bethel and Elevation and Hillsong. Not only should we should hear and hear and see each other singing, it should be accessible to everyone. So when we pick our music, it should be notes that most people can sing. It shouldn't be too hard to sing or incredibly fast. Now, I'm from the hood, so I like Christian rap, right? I'm sorry, I just that some of it is good, right? Some of it is really biblical, but but it's not. Congregational, why? Because it's hard to sing for the congregation, right? If the text says we are to sing to teach and admonish, right? If we're to teach and admonish one another, it ought to be music that is accessible. Sometimes some uh, some new some new person might come in here and say, "Man, you know what?" Why don't you guys turn off the lights? Because that's what, that's what you need to do. Turn off the lights so we could. It's more worshipy, right? Or someone might say, we need to buy a smoke machine so you can have smoke coming up and lasers. <laughs> There's Ty. That's his dream. He's like, yeah, we need that. We need all of that. We specifically do not do this for two reasons. One, we don't have the money for that. No, but that's not, that's not, that's not the reason, okay. (laughs) But really what it is, is that is, that is actually goes against the philosophy of ministry that is in this text. See, I'm not allowed to vary and change because of my own desires and whims. I I do see the text that it says we are to sing to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That means we need to at least see each other. Do you understand? I want to see Jason. I want to see Barbie. And I want to sing them sing these words. And I want to sing it to them. And they need to sing it to me. It is edifying. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. When you see a, a woman who just lost her husband sing praises to Christ. And you're sitting there. You're weeping because you know what she just went through. And she's singing praises to Christ. There's nothing like it. That is teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We don't mix the soundboard. Notice, we don't mix the soundboard like a concert. Where it's one directional. Where all you hear is the band. We don't mix it that way. We mix it in such a way that the congregation can hear each other. Because the true Ones who are worshiping, it's not just the band, it's all of us. So it does not have the same goal as a concert. The concert is them only singing to you, and then you're sitting back saying, Oh, that's good, that's not good, I'll wait for the next set. The goal for worship, corporate worship in song... Is that all of us would be joined in spirit and in truth, teaching one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? You notice, notice this is a, notice what this phrase, I want you to look at this phrase. He says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, he says, with all wisdom, and then he says, teaching and admonishing one another. Okay, now keep your finger there, go to Colossians 1, okay? couple chapters, right? Colossians chapter 1 and verse 28 he says here, same thing. We proclaim him, here it goes, okay? admonishing every man, teaching every man with all wisdom, here it is, okay? Verse 28 says, we proclaim. How do you proclaim? We teach and admonish. Where where do you see that phrase? Same thing in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. In Colossians 1, what is the goal? He says, so that. By the way, when you read scripture and it says, so that, that's a causal clause. That's what we're saying. This causes this. So that. Okay? So that... We may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. What is he saying? He's saying, we strive, we struggle, we preach, we study. So that what? So that we could teach and admonish. So that what? So that the congregation can be mature. So that when false doctrine comes in, they're not fooled. So that when the problems of life comes in, they're not knocked off their feet. They run towards Christ. Correct? Is that right? Okay. So that they're mature, he says, every man complete in Christ. Now notice, he says... Now, now think about this, okay? Say, Imagine this. Say maybe Andre or Jeremy or any other teacher here who teaches, right? Maybe they taught very, very well. It was convicting. You, you saw your sin, you knew you needed to repent. It was clear, right? Just think about the th- think about the kind of words you would describe it back to them to encourage them. You would say, man, you would probably say, Man, that was clear, right? Or that was. Christ centered or man that was deep. That was deep. It was profound. It was in the text. Or maybe how about this? It pulled no punches. Really got me, right? Or it was convicting. And all of those things you would you would be right. Okay? You would be right to say that. Now now listen to this. You would not tolerate listen, you would not tolerate unclear non-Christ centered shallow ambiguous teaching would you? you would not if I taught like that a number of you would come up to me and say Angelo you're kind of off there you didn't really preach Christ that was so shallow That's, that would be the first conversation probably Andre and Jeremy would have with me the first conversation right? then why Okay, if teaching and admonishing causes maturity, right? Both in the preaching, Colossians 1:28, and the singing, Colossians 3:16. Here's my argument. If you would not tolerate that in your preaching and teaching, why do you tolerate that in your Christian music? Not all Christian music is equal. Some of it is lousy. You understand? So, all this to say, um, all this to say we, that we shouldn't accept that kind of lousy, shallow, uh, ambiguous, unclear music. Bob Coughlin said it this way. He said it, he said it really good. Because it's so, the stakes are so high. Every time we leave the church in worship, we're doing more than singing songs. We're leading believers in a battle for the truth. This is actually a battle cry. Do you guys understand that? We are fighting the philosophies of the day. We're fighting unbelief. We're fighting, man, I'm such a sinner. There's no reason I should even be here. We're fighting all of that with the glories of Christ trumpeting his glory. Now, now, I have to show it to you because all of this is just still unclear. Okay? Now you have this song comparison. I want to go ahead and whip this out. Okay? Here's man-centered music. Okay? It's ambiguous. It's unclear. It's emotion-based. It addresses felt needs of man, yet does not point them to redemption. talks about sin, forgiveness. does not address sin. Sometimes, Sometimes it adds a little bit of scripture in there. But it doesn't really expound the truth of God. Doesn't really explain the truth of God. Christ-centered music, or some people call it Telic, Christ-Telic. If you don't know what that means, forget it. It's just confusing. Okay, it's clear, doctrinal, biblical base. It centers on the themes of redemption. That is, man has sinned and he needs a Savior. It addresses sin and our need for Christ clearly. Now, here, notice, there's this song um, <laughs> I was listening to because I saw it on my feed and I go, how is this even Christian? It's called Touch the Sky. I don't, anyone ever heard this song? Okay. My heart beating. Okay, so my heart beating, my soul breathing. I found my life when I laid it down, up, upward falling, up, upward falling. Spirit soaring, I touch the sky when my knees hit the ground. What treasure waits within your scars? The gift of freedom, gold can't buy. Find me at your feet again. Okay, so you notice it sounds good. Even the beat is good. I have to admit, man, it it just it just pops, right? It goes, but it's unclear. It does not teach. It does not admonish. If I taught like that, you'd be like Angelo. That was so unclear. You need to work on your outline again and pray some more. That's what you would tell me, right? Notice the difference. Okay, we only have a f- uh, we only have a short amount of time. We have to pick the songs that punch. Do you understand? The ones that are loaded with doctrine. That is instruction. The ones that admonish. The ones that point to Christ. How about this? My worth is not on what I own. My worth is not in what I own. Not in the strength of flesh and bone. But in the costly wounds of love at the cross. What is he saying? That anything that man does cannot accomplish righteousness. I need the cross. My worth is not in skill or name. In win or lose. In pride or shame. But in the blood that flowed. He's saying none of of that... Uh, I can't earn any of God's salvation. It's only in the blood of Christ. I rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. Notice this. I will not boast in wealth or might or human wisdom's fleeting light, but I will boast in knowing Christ at the cross. He points it back to redemption over and over and over and over. Why? You can't even begin to sing to Christ unless you know his forgiveness. Notice he says here, this is amazing the way he puts it to song. It's beautiful actually. Two wonders here that I confess. My worth and my unworthiness. What's he talking about? My worth is because I'm made in the image of God. My unworthiness is because I have sinned against him. My value fixed, my ransom paid. What is that? That's called substitutionary atonement. That is, he paid With his blood for a people. Right? How about this? Two songs, okay? Closer and In Christ Alone. I want to compare. This is what you would call, and I didn't make it up, someone else did. Closer is a song which we would call a Jesus is my boyfriend song. Why do I say that? Okay. Because it doesn't really talk about Christ. It doesn't talk about sin. It doesn't talk about his blood. If you were to substitute your boyfriend in here, it wouldn't, no one could ever tell. There's no doctrinal distinction. There's no teaching. There's no admonishing. Listen, it gets creepy if you listen to it. Okay. Even as you listen, There is no life without you. You have all that we need. Where you are, every fear is broken and the darkness must flee closer and closer. We want to know you. Reaching out, reaching out here in your presence. We want to go deeper. In your light, come alive. There is no one beside you. You alone are enough to fling the doors of your heart wide open and we are lost in your love. We will come running in you. We find belonging in your love in all that can satisfy. No mention of sin. No mention of, of Christ. No mention of redemption. It sounds like you're talking about your boyfriend. How about this? Compare that to in Christ alone. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. The cornerstone. What is the cornerstone? He is the foundation of the church. This solid ground. He's where all my faith is in. Firm through the fiercest doubts and storms. When heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are stilled, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all. Here in the love of Christ I stand. He notice. he says, in Christ alone, who took on flesh. What doctrine is that? Tell me. Does anyone know? That is called the incarnation. Who took on flesh. Fullness of God in helpless babe. That's Colossians, right? This gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on the cross that Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. The wrath of God being satisfied is the propitiatory atonement of Christ. He paid for your sins. Every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness lay, then bursting forth. That is the resurrection up from the grave. Sin's curse has lost its grip on me. That is not only am I free from the penalty of sin, but I am no longer under its domination. I don't have to do it. I'm not a slave to sin anymore. Sin's curse has lost its grip on me. That's powerful doctrine. That's what we need to sing. That's what we need to hear. I need to be reminded of that because sometimes I don't feel that way. So I need to sing truth. Brothers and sisters, maybe, maybe your life is filled with garbage music. I'm not just talking about lousy Christian music. Maybe it's just filled with garbage music because garbage music is starting to put bad ideas in your head. And now you're finally getting depressed. You're not looking at Christ anymore. You have to be reminded that's the powerful medium of music. You ever, I, I, sometimes I'm, I'm driving and I'm on a road trip. I'm, I'm on the road for eight hours and, and all of a sudden there's no more connection to a good radio station and I'm flipping, I'm flipping, I'm flipping. And then this old song from 30 years ago, this terrible rap song. I know all the lyrics. I remember it all right on beat. Why? Because music is powerful. And it's taken me so long to get it out of my head, and I still can't. Right? No guilt in life, no fear in death. Oh, brothers and sisters, look at that next line. This is the power of Christ in me. Don't you need to have this? I need to walk like this. I want to walk not guilty. I want to live with my conscience free. I don't have any fear in death. I was at a funeral and all I heard about this, um, my, one of our good friends, her dad died. And all we heard from testimony is he loved Christ. He had no fear. He, he gave of himself over and over and over again. I said, may my life be like that. A man focused on Christ, no fear in death. From life's first cry to final breath, no power of hell. Look at this. Oh, now you're going to get mad at me. I'm picking on Waymaker. Waymaker. <laughs> All I'm saying is that there are better songs you could pick. More teaching. More accurate. Right? You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. Mi- Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Over, 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 over. That's what you are. 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 What you are. What you are. Serious. Okay. What would you say? Uh, it's true. Notice the difference. Okay. On songs songs that teach and admonish. It's true, okay? But it's only half-truths. It doesn't give us a full orb's view. It just says that God's going to rescue you. God's going to free you. God's going to rescue you. Look at this. This is the same theme. God's going to rescue you, okay? Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer, greatest treasure of my longing soul. My God like you there is no other true delight is found in you. Look at his second one, strong defender of my weary heart, my sword to fight the cruel deceiver that is the devil. And then notice third stands, O oh Lord my rock and my redeemer, gracious savior of my ruined life. Why? Why my guilt and cross laid on your shoulders. Very clear, unambiguous, solid teaching. Not way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. That's what you are. 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 are. In my place, notice, you suffered, bled, and died. You rose, the grave, and death are conquered. You broke my bonds of sin and shame. Oh, Lord, my rock and my dreamer. May all my days bring glory to your name. Okay. I'm running out of time. We got to go. Ready. Let's breeze through. Let's keep going. Do you get it? Do you guys get it? Okay. Okay. There are better songs we could choose, more Christ-centered, more instructional, more admonishing, more Christ-glorifying. If we want to be clear with the gospel presentation when we talk to people, we got to be clear with our music too. And we want to even do this for our kids. We don't want to teach them songs that obscure the gospel. Okay? Okay. Okay. How do you sing? He says, with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. The word for psalms is simply the word for psalms. That's it. The word psalm really means music set, uh, uh, poem set to music. If you split your Bible right in half, right in the middle is the psalms. The root of the word means to be sung accompanied by a harp. This puts away the idea. There are some groups who say you shouldn't use instruments. The Bible is full of instruments. Of course you should use instruments. Psalm 149.3. Let them praise his name. Let them sing praises to him with timbrel and lyre. Let it praise his name with dancing. Let it sing praises to him with timbrel and lyre. Psalm 33. Sing for joy. Sing praises to him with a harp of ten strings. What instruments should you use? The ones that help to teach and admonish, not the ones that distract. Like I wouldn't bring, uh, I don't know if you guys know, I have a mouth harp. Do you guys know what that is? You play, it goes, dring dring, 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 I would not bring that here. Why? Because all you would do is look at me and not think about Christ. But if we're hanging out around the campfire at my house, I'm whipping that thing out. Dring, 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 dring. Do you understand? Here's a here's a here's an example of a psalm. Sing with me, right? Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. You remember this song? Hearken unto the voice of my cry. My King and my God. That is Psalm 5. Beautiful. Oh, how about this? Psalm 42. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. Amen. Amen. Hymns. These are songs of praise, they're sacred songs. It was The word hymn was used, songwriters would write it for the Caesars who would conquer people in battle. And as they would bring all of the prisoners and they would bring them into the city, there would be parades and these people would write hymns extolling their greatness. This word is now, was taken by the New Testament and used to extol the greatness and the goodness and the triumph of God. Here's one. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to Thee. How about this one? Great is thy faithfulness O God I father there is no shadow there is no shadow of turning with thee Thou changest not, Thy compassions they fail not. As Thou hast been, Thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. And all I have needed, thy hand have provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. So psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Spiritual songs are songs that speak to the experience of the Christian. How about this? I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be faithful what, what's it? Years. Two years dear cause, right? Don't, or how about this? How can I say thanks to the things you have done for me? things so undeserved yet you gave. To prove your love for me. The voices of a million angels Cannot express my gratitude. All that I am and ever hope to be. I owe it all to thee. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. So we have these songs, you see, and they are rich and they speak truth. And the Christian who is dwelling in the word of Christ, sing it back to Christ. Is it a biblical song? These are questions to ask. Does it center on the person and work of Christ and the redemption of the glory of man to the glory of the Father? Does it point to Christ as the only sufficient one to meet our needs? Does it bring glory to Christ in the most focused and clear manner? Is it rich in doctrine or is it scant? Is it the best song for the topic or does it introduce unbiblical views as man-centered theology? Or how about with wisdom teaching and admonishing one another? Are biblical truths about Christ and God taught in a tactful and skilled manner? Is the song easily accessible for the congregation? Is the environment facilitate does the environment facilitate singing by lighting, visibility, and volume control? All of these things are all of these things are we pull from application from the text. So If you get a chance, why don't you hug Andre Enriquez and thank him for teaching and admonishing us through song. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual song. Every Sunday, this is not easy. Especially when I say, no, that song, throw it out. Throw it out. Throw it out. And now sometimes he'll say, Angela, that's not a good song. Throw it out. I'm like, oh, he's right. That's right. And and he knows it. Because he has the He's letting the word of Christ virtually dwell in him. Lift your voice. Marinate in the word. Edify the body. Lift your voice. He says singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So here's the question. Are you marinating in the word of Christ? Are you personally worshiping Christ through remembrance, submission, and service? Now lift your voice. My pastor used to tell me, we used to ask, how do you you get people to sing? You don't. You don't coerce people to sing. You preach a Christ worthy to sing about. Amen? Let's sing. Come on, why don't we bring you guys. Father, we thank you so much for this time. Help us to sing. Help us to see it, Lord, as glorifying to you. Thank you. Thank you for all that you have done. May we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.